Turn to our text that we have been looking at for the last several weeks over in the third epistle of John, toward the new end of the New Testament, third John, just one chapter. We welcome everybody visiting with us this evening. Glad you're here. As you may already see, we don't rush through church. <laughs> We don't see any good reason why to hurry everything up. You know, we really got to uh, get our minds renewed. Uh, Preachers can go too long. Ain't no question about that. Uh, Preachers can keep going after they get through. Yeah, I'm sure I've gone too long before. But there is a whole mentality that a lot of folks still need a lot of mind renewal concerning A lot of people grew up going to church and didn't enjoy it. A lot of people have spent decades doing things just out of a sense of duty. And from the time they got there, they're looking at the watch. Well, you know, if if you're wishing something was over before it started, why are you there? Right? And why, why bug other people? But no, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, it shouldn't be drudgery. And we shouldn't be enduring it. We should be getting something out of it. And we should be enjoying it. Right? And you'll find that their meetings in the book of Acts lasted many hours. Sometimes Paul got to preaching and went all night. I mean literally till the rooster crowed. Till the sun came up. Don't get scared now. I'm not. What you did you feel that? I'm just like. Oh, what's what's? <laughs> but I, I'm just saying that uh, not to see if I can go longer. I I really many times I plan to quit before I do. And I'd like to, if it's right for us to shorten it up, that'd be great. You pray for me concerning this. But I do know this, that you mustn't, whether it's reading your Bible, or whether it's praying, or whether it's giving, or whether it's coming to a service, you mustn't come in wanting it to be over. You mustn't open your Bible and read in a rush. Don't do that. Well, i got to hurry up and read my chapter. i got to hurry, hurry, hurry. You're not going to get out of it what you're supposed to get out of it with that kind of mind frame. Well, let's hurry up and get through with the offering. Let's let's hurry up so we, you. This is worship. It must be done in faith. I mean, if it's if it's not really worth that much, let's just eliminate it, not do it. But if it really is significant and holy, let's not rush it. Let's show it the respect it deserves. Right? If you're going to pray, don't never pray rushed. Hurry through these kind of things. No, you you come before the Lord and you act like he's the most important one in your life. You act like you got all day and all night for him. Right? Anytime you're reading your Bible or you're praying and as a congregation, we all ought to come to the service. All of us and go, Lord, here we are. We're yours. Long as you want. What do you want? Right? Whatever you want to do. 
we're here. I'm believing that this whole church family grows until we can have some mighty moves of the Spirit in this place. Amen? And this is part of it. You don't want to drag things out in the flesh. You don't want to just keep going on and on and on when there's no anointing. You don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. But we do want to come before the Lord and say, here we are. You want to move special and keep us here for three days and nights? Here we are. Hmm? I mean, if the anointing is right, if he's moving right, you wouldn't even know it was three days and nights. Moses got caught up in the glory, didn't even think about eating or drinking for 40 days. Glory. I've seen numerous things like that. Phyllis, when she got filled with the Holy Spirit right after we got married, she was so caught up in, in the presence of God. She didn't eat, didn't sleep for days and days and didn't need to. I, you know, I tried to be concerned about her a little bit. I think, well, you know, maybe you ought to sleep, but then look at her and she's, she's wired, man. I mean, she's having more fun than I am, so. Forget to eat, forget to sleep for days and days and days. How many would like to experience more of the presence of God, more of the glory of God? Well, it begins with a greater reverence, a greater respect for the things of God. And so that's why we talk about these things sometimes. Everybody said out loud, Lord, we're yours. Do with us what pleases you. Have you found your scripture? In the third epistle of John, if you haven't been here, we've been for weeks now teaching and preaching, ministering on a subject we're calling Prosperity Proven. The Lord dealt with us teach on faith, and we taught on that for months. Lord dealt with us teach on love, we taught on that for months. Lord dealt with us teach on uh, healing, we taught on that for months. And now the Lord's dealing with us on this subject, prosperity proven. And this has been our main text in the second verse of 3 John. 3 John 2. Anybody got it marked? It's good, isn't it? 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. Who said that? Huh? Who did he say it to? Does this belong to you? Does it belong to me? Could you, can you take the word of God and say, this is the Lord speaking to me? Absolutely. I mean, this is New Testament as well. I mean, if this is not talking to us, what is? Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as... Your soul prospers. This is the Lord speaking to us. He said it was his will, it was his desire that we prosper. That has to do with material prosperity. External prosperity. Because later on he talks about internal prosperity. And be in health. Healthy. Even as your soul prospers. I looked this word up again. Uh, to remind myself, because it came up in my heart, this word prosper, what does it mean? 
in this verse. The Greek word here translated prosper. What does it mean? And this is what uh, I've got about, you know, three or four real solid uh, Greek and Hebrew scholars that they said similar things. But sometimes the words, they uh, stimulate your thinking. It literally means to succeed. To succeed. And it means to succeed in reaching. To succeed in reaching. To be successful. The more I studied it, the more I kept seeing this word success. Is God's will for us success? But what's the opposite of success? Failure. Is failure the will of God? No, it is not. No, certainly not. But you know, millions of Christians believe and say that God brings them through failure to teach them things, hmm? to develop them. And we stand out like swimming upstream against the current when we say, no, no, God's will is not failure. His will is success. God's will is not poverty. His will is prosperity. God's will is not sickness. His will is health. A lot of people don't agree with that. But we're sorry that they're wrong. <laughs> and they're not enjoying these things. We love them if they don't agree with us. And uh, we're glad of everybody that's saved if they don't believe this. But isn't it sad that people are robbed and they continue to fail and fail and fail when they could be successful in the natural things as well as the spiritual things. You know, the Bible teaches from the Old Testament that we are to hate our enemies. And the Lord taught that we're not to hate people, but we're still to hate our enemies. But that doesn't mean flesh and blood. Did you hear me? We're not to hate people, but we still have enemies. And I tell you, you need to be strong in your spirit about some things. I, years ago I came to this place, I hate sickness. I despise it. I hate it. Did you hear me? And it irritates me when people imply that sickness is the work of God. I mean, it's really akin to blasphemy. And if people weren't so ignorant, they'd be in trouble with the Lord. Do you know what Jesus specifically called blaspheming the Holy Ghost for which there's never forgiveness? Do you know what that was? They attributed the works of the Holy Ghost to the devil. They said he's casting out devils by Beelzebub, prince of devils. It wasn't the work of the devil. It was the work of the Holy Ghost. And he said that's blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Well, see, people are doing that, aren't they? They're attributing the works of uh, the devil to God and vice versa. Now, don't do that. God's good. He does good. The devil's bad. He does bad things. I mean, a three-year-old could understand it. Right? 
Keep it simple. Keep it straight. God is a good God. He does good things all the time. The devil is a bad devil. He does bad things all the time. Never do they swap jobs. Never. Never. They're not working together in some kind of unholy union. The devil is not God's whipping boy. Let's go over it real slow. (laughs) Say it out loud with me. God is a good God. And he does good things. All the time. The devil's a bad devil. And he does bad things. All the time. Right? Now these are not, it's not just my, my ravings and ramblings. Jesus said, the thief comes not, but for to steal and kill and destroy. Sickness, what does it do? Steals your strength. Steals your money. Steals your ability and opportunities. Poverty, failure, what does it do? It's destruction. Robs from you. Right? If it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, Jesus said, the devil did it. Right? The thief did it. But he said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Yeah. Yes. That's the truth. That's what we believe. Right? And nothing else. Nothing else. Well, the Lord told us that it was his will above all things. That's a strong statement. That we prosper and be in health. And he told us how it was going to happen. It's progressive. It happens as you prosper in your soul. And we've gone we went into detail about that. Prosperity doesn't begin in your pocketbook or your purse or your checking account. It begins in your soul. You quit thinking like a broke person. You quit believing like a broke person. You quit talking like a poor person. And you may be like me. I grew up poor. And, uh, you know, generations of poverty. And, you know, you don't think right. You think uh, like a poor person and you talk like a poor person. I mean, it's a common phrase. And so, well, you know, we're poor, but we're proud. <laughs> Not realizing that you should have deliverance from both conditions. <laughs> right? If you'd humble yourself, God would give you grace and bring you out. Amen. Right? But it's a journey. Because, you know, I mean, years pass and still, ever so often, I catch myself thinking a certain way. And you think, now hold on. And Phyllis and I, we help each other. And we at the same time, we'll say it out loud. That's poverty thinking. That's poverty mentality. With the church or with anything else. I mean, you come across things and people are so led by money. They make decisions by price. If you always seek the lowest price, you're not being led by the Holy Ghost. You're led by the lowest price. Right? I mean, there's a lot of times people look at the menu and don't even look at the left side, go to the right. 
Somebody said, what's wrong with that? Not being led, you could pick the wrong thing and get food poisoning. I mean, I know it sounds humorous, but there are millions dead because of poverty thinking. Millions. I was telling Phyllis, it's sad you heard about all the people drowning in Haiti and different places. One reason why so many people perished in that, poverty. Poverty. Why? Well, the people have cut down all the trees because they're so poor, they use the trees to make charcoal out of, to subsist. And because there's no trees and there's no roots, when it rains, it just washes through there and floods everything. There's nothing to slow it down, nothing to stop it. Now, the reason I'm saying that, I hate poverty. That's what it does to people. It's not God's will for the people to be poor. No, it's the result of sin in the earth. It's the result of the devil's work in the earth. How many believe there is no poverty in heaven? None. There are no cardboard shacks on the streets of gold. There are no little dumpy, roach-infested places in heaven. No. Mansions. Estates. Glorious places. Right? Didn't he say pray thy will be done on earth? How? As it is. There is no poverty up there. So what's God's will down here? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. How many believe there's no blind people in heaven? There's nobody with AIDS in heaven. Nobody with high blood pressure. Nobody having heart attacks on the streets of gold. Nobody. And nobody standing up against one of the gates made out of a pearl going, <sighs> y'all pray for me. Just... <laughs> no more tears, no more pain, no hospitals, no cemeteries, no funeral homes, no mental institutions. No. And he said, pray that his will would be done here on the earth. Now that indicates it's not being done in its entirety. And elsewise, why would you pray that it would be? Right? And I'm thinking about getting to my notes over here. (laughs) Tell me what the Lord said. I will, above all things, that you receive it personally now. That he told me. It was his will and desire above all things that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. The word prosper literally means success. Succeed in reaching. Now, another way of saying that is to make it. Right? If you succeeded in reaching your goal or your desire, you made it. You reached it. What's the opposite of that? Didn't make it. Came short. Right? That's the opposite of it. Listen to, uh, this is a couple of different scholars. They gave this definition of it. They said this word prosper means to experience and enjoy favorable circumstances. To get along well, to succeed. So that one uh, scholar translates 3 John 2 this way. I pray that everything may go well with you. Everything. And this is what... uh, 
uh, one individual translated like this. He said it, in ancient language, this word was used like this, to always eat well or to always live under the shade <laughs> and to always live with laughter and song. How many understand you out in the desert, but you always live in the shade? I guess maybe that's where it originated, made in the shade. Got it made. Right? Right? Always eat good. Always got laughter and song. Always living in the shade. That's what the Lord said he desired for us above all things. Can you say amen? Another one says it means to travel along a good road. To be successful in acquiring profit or gain as in business or work. It's even used this way. Again, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, don't turn there, but he said, uh, everybody is to lay aside on the first day of the week as God has prospered them. That means as he's increased you. This is supposed to be happening every week. God has increased us and prospered us so that every week we can lay something extra aside to give. That's not going to be happening if you're going down. Right? No. I believe it, don't you? Now go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. We began a couple of weeks ago talking about the covenant of prosperity. We asked the question, is it God's will for us to prosper? This is our text. But not just taking one verse, we said it must be proven. And not just one witness, but through numerous witnesses in the Word. And so we went back and looked at uh, God's names. Jehovah Jireh. No poverty in that. Uh, El Shaddai. Ain't no brokenness in that. And we said, what kind of God did the patriarchs know? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God refers to himself as their God. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're alive right now in heaven. What kind of God did they know? Do they know? If we could throw a microphone in their face tonight, if they came and visited in Branson, and we said, you know, uh, Father Abraham, many Christians in the earth today do not believe it's God's will always for them to prosper. Uh, what do you think? What is your personal experience with God? And Isaac and Jacob, and we looked at uh, Joseph, we looked at Moses, they all knew a God who made them rich beyond their wildest dreams. Amen. And not just in material things, but in every good thing in life. And so we begin to look at the God of Israel now. God made a covenant with Abraham. And it carried on through Moses and Israel. And we saw them deriving the benefits of the covenant that God made with Abraham as them being the seed of Abraham. It began, you know, by the Lord keeping his word as he's so faithful to do. He told Abraham, I'm going to bring your descendants out. They're going to be there for X amount of time, centuries. But I'm going to bring them out. And when I do, they'll not go out empty. And he brought them out with riches. They stripped and spoiled the Egyptians. We talked about wealth transfer. I mean, there's so much in the Bible about that. 
The Bible said God gives the task of gathering up riches to the wicked so he can give it to him that's good in his sight. It's there. We've seen many different things like that. But then uh, he brought them out with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among their tribes. But then, you know, you've got to back up a little bit. How many understand that it was great prosperity when the plagues that ravaged Egypt did not touch them? All the Egyptians' livestock died by the what? Hundreds of thousands or more. I mean, their crops were destroyed, but there was an invisible barrier. You couldn't see it, but at the line, the county line, you might say, of Goshen, there was, you know, bucket sized hail over there, but over here, the sun shining. Dead cows everywhere over there in the land of Goshen, cows are happy. Prosperity. I mean, that's prosperity when other people's crops are destroyed and yours are not. Other people's uh, livestock is killed and yours are not. Other people's babies die and yours don't. Glory to God. That's prosperity. And that was happening because of the covenant. And then he brought them out and through the wilderness he fed them. Manna out of the sky, water out of the rock, spectacular supernatural provision. And all this is happening. Uh, Go to Deuteronomy and read this again. I could quote it to you. But before you read Galatians, Deuteronomy 8, all this happened, he said, to fulfill this. Deuteronomy 8. Are you there? Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth. Right? Why? That He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Listen to another translation of this. Remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to become rich. He does this because he is still faithful today to the covenant he made with your ancestors. Why? How about today? When God blesses us, is he still keeping covenant? Yes, he is. It's not because we've always done everything perfect. It's not because we've earned it and deserved it through our righteous deeds or our perfect living. It's because he is still faithful to keep his covenant. Is prosperity included in this covenant? Yes, it is. Always has been. Always will be. It was before the law and it is now. I'm going to read that again. That's the English version is what that one's called. Remember the Lord your God who gives you the power to become rich. Somebody say, I got the power. What does that mean? For what? Now, do you know that that is another way of saying I'm blessed? Hmm? We camped on this a long time. What is the blessing? The blessing is empowerment to succeed. Empowerment 
to prosper. Prosperity is success. What's the blessing? The power to do it. Right? The blessing is the anointing, the empowerment to succeed. Thanks be unto God. He gives you the power to become rich. He does this because he's still faithful today to the covenant he made with your ancestors. Now go to Galatians 3, please. Galatians 3. Galatians 3, are you there? Everybody awake? You have the power? Say it again, I've got the power. For what? To become rich. And why? Why would the Lord do this in your life? He's keeping his covenant. Right? He's keeping his covenant. In Galatians 3. We read this last week, but I think we should read it again. I believe we could get even more excited about it this week than we did last week. Galatians 3, we'll begin in verse 6. Galatians 3, 6. He said, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Are you of faith? Then are you one of the children of Abraham? Absolutely. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel the good news to Abraham saying in you shall all nations be empowered to prosper. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Huh? Yes. Blessed. So then they which be of faith are empowered to succeed with faithful Abraham. Somebody say, I've got the power. (laughs) For what? To be wealthy, to be rich, to succeed. Now, I know that that bothers some people when you say that. Hope it doesn't bother you. I had a fellow actually meet me out in the parking lot years ago. And he was so mad, he acted like he was about to have a stroke. I thought he was going to raise his fist to me one time. Why was he so mad? He was mad because I kept using the word rich. That was it. I kept trying to see if it was something else. But no, he said, you know, you keep talking about God wants people rich. He said, that ain't right. I said, it is right. He said, it ain't right. I said, why ain't it right? I said, was not, well, I thought I was quoting the scripture when I said rich. The scripture he got upset about is in 2 Corinthians. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus. How that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you through his poverty might be That's New Testament. R-I-C-H. Right? But I said it one too many times. For him, it just was too. He said, you ought to quit saying that. He said, money is the root of all evil. I said, no, it's not. He said, that's Bible too. I said, no, it ain't. That ain't Bible. That made him matter. I said, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. You can be full of the love of money and have not have any. 
There's all kind of people just as broke as can be. And they're covetous. They'll kill you over five dollars. And they got nothing. Full of the love of money. Well, on the other hand, is it possible you could have all kinds of money but love God more than anything else in the world? Is it possible? You could be rich, 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 but you don't love it. You don't love the money. You don't love the stuff. You love God and you do anything he tells you with all that money you got. Is it possible at least? Well, I've already volunteered. How about you? I volunteered for one of those positions. And I believe that he told me that it was his desire and will above all things that I prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. He said, so then they which be of faith are blessed, empowered to prosper with faithful Abraham. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's that got to do with this? It all goes hand in hand. If you're cursed, you ain't blessed. Right? If you're blessed, you're not cursed. Which one are we? Blessed. We are not cursed. We are redeemed from the curse and we are blessed. (laughs) Hold on to your seat now. This is just going to get stronger and stronger. And so how many with me? You believe this? Do you sense this at all? I'm telling you. I don't care how many times you've heard this. Nobody's exhausted all the light and revelation from any verse of scripture. And we're going from glory to glory. Faith to faith. Hallelujah. The Lord taught his people that poverty was a curse. That lack was a curse. Tonight, unless the Lord leads us differently, we're going to go back and look at some specific instances where he told them, this is lack, this is poverty, and this is a curse. God said it. Right? And he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing. The next chapter says God made him very rich. God said, this is blessing. Now, you wouldn't have to be too brilliant to figure that out, would you? If you owe everybody in the country, ain't got enough to feed your kids, why would you think you're blessed? Sick, can't get off the bed, why would you think that's a blessing? And yet... Through hundreds of years of lies coming across pulpits. People have come to believe, well, it's a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing. I know this cancer's in the body is awful, but it's really, it could be a blessing in disguise. Well, I know the tornado came through and blew the house away but maybe it's a blessing in disguise I know we're losing our car and I know they're going to come repossess this and that but you know it's probably a blessing in disguise and we don't really know what we need (laughs) huh you ever heard anything well after all you know the Lord didn't promise he'd give us our wants 
He said our needs. And we don't really know what we need. Well, he gave us above the IQ of an ant. (laughs) Even an ant knows. You're hungry, you ought to get some food. Right? If you're sick, you need to get well. If you're hurting, you need to quit. If you ain't got money to pay your light bill, you need some money to pay your light bill. I mean, people have to come to church to get that confused. Because just the average person out there knows better than that. They know they would rather be rich than broke. They know they'd rather feel good than hurt. It takes the devil through all kind of religious wrappings to get people so confused that they don't know what's a blessing and what's a curse. I know this is bad, but it's probably a blessing. I know this is good, but it may be a curse. I don't want any of this old world's riches. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have this. You know, people can't even enjoy things for fear of, well, you know, I can't, I can't enjoy this because this is going on and, and this is going on and maybe I shouldn't have this and maybe it's guilt. People hide their prosperity. Preachers hide their prosperity. Oh, they think, well, the people might not give in the offering. There's even, I know of a situation where one fellow told the other. He come in, he was a special guest speaker, sat up on the platform, had these uh, new alligator shoes on. And the fellow told him, he said, man, you know, you know, you ought not wear them shoes to the meeting. He said, why? He said, well, people will see them and they'll think you don't need any money and they won't give a thing in the offering. He said, get you some, you know, that look kind of rough. Maybe got a little hole in the sole. Well, we laugh, but people think like that. And so everybody hides their prosperity. Not everybody, but a lot of people. But we're not. I said, we're not. I'm not. You're not. Right? God gives you a ring that it takes both hands to hold up. You're going to wear it right in here, right? You're going to wear it right in here. And if I keep doing this, because the light's glittering off your Half pound diamond. Well, I'll get some sunshades if I have to. You bring it on in. Right? You bring it right on in. Keep reading. Christ has what? Redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we, we, we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And down in verse 29 he says, if you be Christ's, you're Abraham's seed and you're heirs according to the promise. Now go with me please to Deuteronomy 28 and let's pick up where we left off and go a little further. Seeing what's ours and what's not ours. What's not ours? We've been redeemed from the curse. 
So if it's in the curse, I don't have to have it. Right? I've been redeemed from that. What if it's in the blessing? It's mine. That's mine. In Deuteronomy 28, we began reading and seeing the blessing of keeping God's word, keeping God's law. We said in the New Testament that's fulfilled by walking in faith and walking in love. And he said, are you there? Deuteronomy 28, 1, he said, it'll come to pass if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God and observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth and all these empowerments to succeed. All these blessings will come on thee and overtake thee. Uh-uh. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> overtake you. Overtake you. If you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed. But now we've heard that, but now let's use the definition of it. Empowered to prosper, you'll be in the city. Empowered to succeed, you'll be in the field. Empowered to succeed will be the fruit of your body. Well, that's your kids. Are your kids empowered to succeed? Empowered, anointed, destined for success. Yeah. For anything else to happen is not the will of God. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, fruit of your cattle, increase of your kind, flocks of your sheep. That's all your investments. That's all your work, everything you're doing. Blessed, empowered to prosper shall be your basket, your store. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed when you go out. Well, you're either coming or going. Right? Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. Multiple places of investment and savings and storage. Now, how many know that's a strong word? The Lord will command the empowerment to succeed on your storage places. Glory. You know when the Word of God works in your life and makes changes? When you get excited about it. Because you getting excited about it reveals that you believe it. He said, the Lord going to open to you his good treasure. And he's going to bless all the work of your hand. You'll lend to many nations and you won't borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you'll be above only. Not up and down. Only above. And you will not be beneath. Do we believe this? Is this the Bible? These are not the ramblings of some excited preacher. This is the Bible. This is the word of God that cannot fail, can never change. Did the Lord say that? Does it apply to us? Now, see, this is where you lose a lot of people. They go, well, no, brother Keith, that's in the Old Testament. That's just for the Jews. And what do you say? Right? Right. But you looking at one. 
You look like a Jew to me. I'm a spiritual Jew. What is a Jew? What is an Israelite? People get off on the wrong thing. The seed of Abraham. The descendants of Abraham. What did we just get through reading? If you are of faith, you are blessed with faithful Abraham. And if you're Christ's, you're Abraham's seed. Are you Christ's? Then are you a descendant of Abraham? And heirs according to the promise. What did he promise? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. Everybody that blesses you will be blessed. Everybody that curses you will be cursed. And in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Does that still have any application to us? So we are the body of Christ in the earth. Why are we to be so blessed and so rich so we can be a blessing? We can finance a gospel. We can help pay people's bills. Help bail folks out of trouble. Right? Help feed people. Help clothe people. Right? Well, you can't do that if it's taking all the faith you got to make your little car payment. You got to get up and beyond that, right? So that you, all your stuff is done. You can focus on something else above yourself, beyond yourself. Can you say amen? I'm excited about getting this place paid for. And the other outreaches, you know, that we have to have to take care of our kids and our youth and all that. And I mean, have the best of the best, but it's all paid for. It's all done. And we can just reach out, reach out, help other people. Amen. Flow out. We're doing it some, but we can do it a lot more. A lot more. When all your stuff is done and paid for, it's just more resources can flow out. You'll be above only and you will not be beneath. Everybody say, that's the blessing. blessing. And the blessing is mine. mine. Abraham's blessing blessing. is mine. mine. Now, is it a blessing to be rich? Is that a blessing or a curse? All these things we're reading about. All your stuff being increased. All your stuff prospering. Everything you put in your hand to succeeding and going, is that a blessing or a curse? Should be very plain, but there it is in the Bible. It is a blessing. And whose is that? That's mine. That blessing's mine. But now in verse 15, verse 15 of the same chapter, it'll come to pass if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command these day. All these curses will come on you and overtake you. A lot of folk don't even want to read this, but you ought to get excited about reading this too. Why? Because if it's in here, I don't have to have it. Right? Anything, this is a big part of the description of the curse of the law. According to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from The curse of the law. So it's good news. Anything we find in here, we ain't supposed to have. We've been redeemed from. Cursed, verse 16, cursed will you be in the city. Cursed will you be in the field. Cursed in your basket. Cursed in your store. Cursed will be the fruit of your body. Fruit of your land. Increase of your kind. Flocks of your sheep. Cursed when you come in. Cursed when you go out. Everybody say, that's not for me. I'm redeemed from that. 
Now, uh, skip on down to verse uh, 29. There's a lot of good things in here. They're actually bad things, but it's good when you know you're redeemed from them. But down in verse 29, he actually talks about a lot of sickness through these several verses that we're skipping because we're not talking about that right now. But how many believe you've been redeemed from sickness? Sickness is a part of the curse of the law. If you're interested, go back and get a multiple translation of this and see. You'll find modern disease after modern disease listed in this chapter. Just with the old English, you might not recognize it. But when you look it up, I mean, there's cancer in here. There's melanoma. There's skin cancer. There's all kind of digestive problems. There's all kind of allergic problems. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And the Lord leads us one of these days. We'll camp on it and look at that too. Because everything that's in there, what's the good news? I've been redeemed from. One of the first big healings I ever got. I was uh, I was still in my late teens. I got it through this right here. I realized that I was having some allergic reactions to some things that I'd had since I was a boy. Big problem. Doctors had tried to help me with it. Gave me all kind of injections and medicine. That just made me feel worse. Laid me up for days at a time. But I found out that anything it had to do with uh, allergies and rashes and all kinds is part of the curse of the law. And I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And I stood on that, hallelujah, and was healed. I said, was healed. Got completely free from it. Amen. That's before we went to Ramah, before anything. I'm so glad I'm redeemed. Are you redeemed? Redeemed. Redeemed. What does that mean? Bought back from the power of it. Bought back from under the bondage of it. I've been redeemed from the curse. Well, the curse includes all kind of financial and material problems. Let's read about them. Verse 29. This is the curse for the disobedient. You'll grope at noonday as the blind gropes in the darkness. You'll not prosper. You'll what? You'll not prosper in all of your ways. And you'll be only oppressed and spoiled evermore and no man will save you. What about that? Tell me you don't have to have that. Another translation of this same verse says, you will not make a success of your life. You'll never be anything but exploited and plundered. And no one will come to your aid. That's a curse. And that doesn't happen to me. That'll never happen to me because I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Are you with me now? The more you get into this, the more excited you're going to be. According to Deuteronomy 28, 29, failure is a part of the curse of the law. According to Galatians 3, 13, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Therefore, I never have to fail. What's opposite of this? I'll always succeed. I will always have somebody to help me. Amen. I will not be exploited. I will not be plundered. Do you see what I'm talking about? How exciting this is when you can put a knot in all this because you've been redeemed from it. Hey, hey. (laughs) Let's keep reading. He said, you'll betroth a wife and another man will lie with her. You'll build a house 
and not live in it. You plant a vineyard and not gather the grapes thereof. Now let's stop right here. You excited about that? Why? Because that will never happen to me. Nobody else is going to wind up with my wife. Nobody else is going to wind up with my house. Come on now, guys. You believe this? Nobody else is going to waltz in the stuff I've worked hard for, the stuff the Lord's given me. Ain't going to happen. I will long enjoy all the blessings the Lord has given me. People getting your stuff and taking your stuff and you working hard and not enjoying it. I know of all kinds of people. There's actually a superstition where I grew up. I know of people who wouldn't build a new house. Because of a fear of as soon as you get it built, you'd die. I had a fellow try to explain that to me one time. He didn't get it across to me. But he said, yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know about that? What? I mean, he hadn't been moved in that new house two months. Died of a heart attack. And another so-and-so, you know about him? I mean, he hadn't got through building his, fell dead of a stroke. No, I'm not building a new house. Uh -uh. (laughs) Have you ever heard of anything like that? Stuff like that, perhaps, anyway. No, no, no. I will not work hard and not get to enjoy it. I will not believe God and sow my seed and be blessed and finally receive it. And somebody waltz in and take it away from me. It will never happen to me because I've been redeemed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Now you start talking about that and people go, oh, oh, who do you think you are? (laughs) This ain't about who I think I am. It's about who I know he is. And what I know he has done for me. It ain't about me. It's about what he's done. Uh, You know, sometimes it rains and sometimes the sun shines. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And you just never know. I mean, we have established that is not a scripture. Right? That is not a verse. This is a verse. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Woo! Hey! He did it so that the blessing of Abraham would come on us. Yeah. The blessing is mine. The curse is not. Working hard. Somebody else getting your stuff. That's a curse. Right? Being exploited. Being plundered. Somebody taking advantage of you. Taking your stuff. That's a curse. Don't let somebody try to tell you it's a blessing in disguise. It's a curse. And we've been redeemed from the curse. Let's keep reading. What else we've been redeemed from? You ready? You want to get some more? Yeah, yeah. 31. Your ox will be slain before your eyes. And you won't get to eat a steak. Now what would an ox be? 
Very valuable possession. Your donkey will be, that's like your Mercedes. That's like getting carjacked. Huh? Somebody jack my donkey. Well, it says right here, your donkey will be seized right in front of you. Another one says, snatched from under your nose. Somebody say, not my donkey. That's a curse, right? That's part of the curse. Tell me the good news about the curse. You and I have been redeemed from stuff like this happening to us. But see, you've got to believe it. This works for believers. When you read something like this, you need to get happy and you need to point to it and say, that will never happen to me. That will never happen to me. Why? Because I've been redeemed. Christ, why did he pay such a terrible price? Why did he go through what he went through? Wasn't for him. For us. So nobody could jack my donkey. Nobody steal my stuff. Your sons and daughters will be given to other people. And your eyes will look and fail with longing for them all day long. Well, another one says, hand it over to other people while you look on and you'll pine after your children all day. And there'll be no power, no might in your hand. You'll be helpless. Your kids will be taken away with other people. And your heart will ache and you'll pine and you'll have no ability, no power to do anything about it. That's part of the curse. I've been redeemed from that. You've been redeemed from that? Our kids will not be led astray. They'll not be sucked in and taken away by other people. And we will have power. We will have ability to do something about things. Why? Because we're empowered to prosper. We're blessed. Why did God do all this for us? Because a covenant. He made a covenant with Abraham and committed to him and to all his seed. Let me make this a little stronger for you. Turn over one page. We're not through with this, but go over to 29. Glory to God. 29.9. Can you take a little more? He said, keep the words of this covenant. This is Deuteronomy 29, 9. And do them. Why? You know, I've had people tell me, I've read the Bible. I haven't seen nothing about prosperity in there. (laughs) All I can say is, you better look again. Right? People read the Bible with colored glasses, like Brother Hagin used to say. Tinted with religious tradition. So everything they see, they read it through somebody else's religious idea. No, just let it say what it says. Take it for what he said. Believe it. Amen. Do these things that you may prosper in all that you do. You stand this day, all of you, before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders, your officers with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, the stranger that's in your camp, from the hewer of wood to the drawer of your water, that you should enter into covenant 
with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with thee this day, that he may establish you today for a people to himself, that he may be to you a God, as he said to you, as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now get this, get this, get this. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath. But with him that stands here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. That's you, brother. That's you, sister. That's me. Why? It hadn't been written yet. But the Lord knew there's going to be a Galatians 3. And as many as are of faith are blessed with Abraham and are Abraham's seed because of your faith in Christ. He knew it. He knew it. And he had it written for eternity. He said, now I'm making this covenant with all of you. But there's a lot of people that ain't here today. And it's with them too. We have a covenant. I said, we have a covenant. He's the Lord our God. He gives us power to become wealthy, to create wealth and make wealth. Why? That he may establish the covenant that he made with Abraham. We're his seed. Go back to 28. Let's shout a little bit more about what we've been redeemed from, about what we never have to have again. This is helping us, friends. This is getting in us. We were at what? Verse 33. He said, verse 33, the fruit of your land and all your labors shall a nation which you know not eat up. And you'll be only oppressed and crushed always. You'll be mad for the sight of your eyes which you see. Another translation said this, the produce that you worked for, somebody else, another nation will eat up. One said, you'll be oppressed and crushed only. You'll be abused and downtrodden continually. You'll be wronged and oppressed continually. Your lot will be nothing but brutal oppression. Now friend, get this, get this. You are the blessed of God, you are not a victim. You know, it's amazing how many Christians, they have this mentality. You know, why is everybody always picking on me? It's always, you know, I'm abused. People abuse me. They verbally abuse me and they take advantage of me. And, and everybody's always maltreating me and running over me. And, and you believe you're a victim. You do not believe you're the redeemed. It's hard for people to victimize you when you won't accept the role. They call you names and you laugh. Huh? They try to mess with you and you say, hey, I'm blessed. You better not mess with me. People who curse me get cursed. And nothing can defeat you. No challenge, no trial. Why? Because you won't quit. Amen. You always triumph. Amen. You say, it ain't over till I win. That's right. <laughs> so you're never laying down crying, feeling sorry for yourself, because you don't believe you're a victim. Amen. You're a victor. Yes, sir. 
overcomer. Yes, sir. More than a conqueror. More. So anything that's going on, yeah. you don't go, oh, I'm a victim. No, you go, hey, no. I overcome this. I come over it. I'm redeemed from all this. Skip down to 38. For time's sake. 38. Now, this is something to shout about. You'll carry much seed out into the field, but you just gather a little. For the locust will consume it. Another one said, you cast seed in plenty, but you just harvest a little. So, 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 little bitty harvest. So, 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 sowing and sowing and sowing and thimble harvest. Curse. That's a curse. And I'm redeemed from that. That don't happen to me. I sow and brother, I reap. Big, 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold, 500 fold, 1,000. I sow and I reap and reap and reap and reap. Just keep reaping off the same. How many understand? You know, some tomato plants. You just keep getting tomatoes off that plant. Right? Some fruit trees. You think, man, I've already gathered three bushel off that thing. And look out there. There's a bunch more peaches done. Come on that tree again. Why? It's a blessed tree. Blessed tomato plant. All my tomato plants are blessed. All my trees are blessed. Right? How about yours? What's that mean? You plant and then you reap and you reap. And you reap. And you don't plant all kind of seed and hardly get anything out of it. Either spiritually or naturally. You don't work, 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 work on a deal. Spend three weeks on it and make two fifty, two dollars and fifty cents. Huh? Put all this time and effort into something. And time you pay your expenses, you made three dollars. That's a curse. I said, that's a curse. No, it's blessed. When you hardly did anything. And here comes a big pile. Big chunks. Keep reading. You plant vineyards and dress them. But you won't drink the wine. And you won't gather the grapes. Worms will eat them. That's a curse. You'll have olive trees throughout all your coast. But you won't anoint yourself with the oil. Your olive will cast its fruit. They'll drop off the tree. You'll beget sons and daughters, but you won't enjoy them. They'll go into captivity. So everybody said out loud, not me. I'll enjoy my children. And my grandchildren. And my great-grandchildren. But they won't go into captivity. Why? That's curse. And I've been redeemed from the curse. He said, all your trees and fruit of your land, the locust will consume. And the stranger that's within thee will get up above you very high. And you'll come down very low. One translation said, you'll sink lower and lower. Everybody say, not me. Not me. Verse 44, he will lend to you, but you won't lend to him. He will be the head and you will be the tail. Another one says, it's for them to lead and you to follow. 
Uh-uh. Now, friends, there's something big that's working in the Spirit in people's lives here. We touched on it last week. But let me say it again to you tonight, and this is not just Brother Keith talking now. God is working in people in this church so that you get to the place where you don't have to borrow. You will be able to lend. You won't be paying interest. You'll be getting interest from all of your investments in different places. And you won't be having to follow. You'll be leading. You won't be owing. You'll be owning. Did you get that now? The Lord is dealing with some people very powerfully in these areas. You're coming up. You might be the very tail of a thing right now. But God's going to bring you up and make an example out of you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Can God take anybody, the Bible said he takes people off the dung heap and sets them with princes. How many believe that glorifies God? What God can do in somebody's life. Now, why did I say that? I said that because there are people sitting here right now. Right now. You may have just been at the very bottom. But God looks good in cases like that. Well, he can take you and people know where you were and they see where he brought you to and know where you were at, what you were able to do. And now what you did for the kingdom of God, people go glory to God. Look at that. Look what God did in their life. Now, I'm not talking about somebody somewhere else. He'll do it for anybody. People right here, right here, right here. God's talking to people right here, right here. You will not be under. You'll be the head. You won't owe for it. You'll own it. You won't have to borrow. You can loan. You won't be paying interest. You'll be getting interest. I'm going to say it again. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Please listen to it. People in this place. People in this room. Tonight. Not the tail. But the head. Don't have to borrow. Can lend. Not paying interest. Getting interest. Not owing. Owning. Owning. Hallelujah. Why? Because you're not cursed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Keep reading. Let me finish this up. People won't get up above you. You won't sink lower. You'll get up above. You will be the head and not the tail. He said, verse 45, all these curses will come and pursue and overtake till you be destroyed. Why? Because you didn't hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded. They'll be for you a sign and a wonder on you. Verse 47, get this, verse 47. Because you served not the Lord your God with what? Joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Then therefore you will serve your enemies. Which the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst, in nakedness, and in want of all things. He'll put a yoke of iron on your neck till he have destroyed you. Not me. That's a curse. I've been redeemed from the curse. And I am not refusing to serve the Lord my God with joyfulness. I am glad and I will give him thanks for all abundance of all things. The Berkeley says, uh, serving God with joy and a glad heart for all the rich abundance. This goes hand in hand. See, people who don't believe this don't give thanks for this. And they don't realize it, but they're playing right into the hands of the curse. If you don't serve God and give him thanks, then you're a candidate to live under the curse. 
That's why we give testimonies. That's why we shout. We may all get up and praise God. Somebody got a new pocket knife. You know how we are around here, right? Why? We're going to serve the Lord with joyfulness, right? And gladness for the abundance of all things. We don't despise the small beginning, right? How many had something you've marked off your list already? We all stood up, you know, in February. We wrote out before the Lord what we're believing for, what we're going to do for the kingdom and paying off things. Show me again. Hands up. Look at that. Look at that. Are you rejoicing for the thing that you've already marked off? Huh? Be glad. Don't forget about it. Be glad. Be glad. It was on there. Now it's in your life. It's done. Glory. And just like he did that, he'll do every one of them. Stand up on your feet and begin to praise God. Begin to just act on this verse right here and say, I'm serving you with joy. I'm serving you with gladness. Thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.